welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. My name is Tracy Siska. I'm your host, and I'm also the executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about our transparency work and accountability work at chicagojustice.org. So it's been a day. Um, they say it's transformative. We will see the Community Commission on Public Safety um, that oversees the um, police department supposed to bring in revolutionary, transformative citizen oversight. That's going to be our main segment tonight, talking about that. Then we're going to talk um, about Alderman Napolitano's laughable propaganda ordinance, merit promotions coming back for the CPD, more proof of the CPD being broke in the form of gun teams which turns out to be more propaganda than even I figured. And then um, after the break, we talk a little national stuff. We talk about Senator Tom Cotton, fear-mongering and his fear-mongering argument. We talk about an article out of the New York Times, Nobody Believes Me, if we get to it. And then Vera Nick Turner, the executive director of the Vera Institute in New York, his op-ed in the Hill about why Biden's gun violence program isn't going to work. So, but first, I'm going to talk to you about the Nation program. You can go to CJP, uh, cjpnation.org. It's our activist website. And this is where our volunteers and interns come together and work on group projects, crowdsource research project. Our last two reports have been that. Our next two or three that are coming have also been out of that nation program, you can work on crowdsource research projects, social media activism, public policy advocacy, fundraising for us. If you're really into that, you can be a social media ambassador. There's all kinds of activities from people all over the country, um, probably numbering about 75 or 80 right now active that are working f with us. You can do public policy research also, by the way, but they're working with us in groups, crowdsource groups, to further our mission of transparency and accountability. You can go to cjpnation.org and find out more about it. We meet every other Wednesday. This Wednesday we're off, but next Wednesday we are on. We meet as a group. You can find more information at the website about it, but you can also email us at infochicagojustice.org or any of you watching this on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, or YouTube, drop a comment in the chat there and I will get it and we... You can drop your email if you want more information, but if you comment or question about anything we're covering today, drop it in the chat. So, our first segment today. Here's a little look at the Tribune website. Community oversight for Chicago police wins final approval after years-long fight. Okay. Is it transformative? Don't really know. It's all advisory. That's a problem. It's very weak. Very, very weak. It has a little bit of power in that if the commission makes a recommendation it should get some, like to fire the superintendent, to fire the head of COPA or the police board or fire a police board member. That should get some media and may put some attention, I mean, some um, power behind their recommendation if the media picks it up. 
and if the media agrees. But I'm not very sure that it does significantly. I don't think Mayor Lightfoot cares one way or the other about that publicity. She's going to do what she wants. I think she's going to complete. First of all, she's going to appoint the first seven people and won't get it till um, newly elected members of this commission or district advisory councils going until the February 23 election, which is when she'll be uh, facing re-election. So if she has to deal with this at all, it'll be in her second term. If she wins one, that seems to me highly questionable at the moment. So it's advisory. Is it transformative? I don't really think so. I want to say it is, but I don't think so. I've worked on police accountability in Chicago for 25 years now. You know, people thought the Independent Police Review Authority, or IPRA, when it came in and replaced OPS. OPS, an internal office to the CPD, IPRA, external, run by a civilian. Not someone with, within the police department, which, by the way, counts as civilian oversight by the definition. They sucked. Or I shouldn't say sucked. They just never, they didn't have the budget. They just didn't do, they never fulfilled the promise that everyone thought they would fulfill. Okay? They were replaced by the Citizen Office of Police Accountability. I was involved in that to some degree. Then at the same time, they created the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General. That was my idea, and I was heavily involved in writing that up. COPA, the Citizen Office of Police Accountability, replaced IPRA. Is COPA much better? Than IPRA? I don't think so. Is it much better than OPS? It's probably a little bit because it's a lot more transparent. But as far as outcomes, I don't really think so. There's nothing transformative about any of that. Now, when you get to the community commission where everyone says the people's ordinance and we got it, we're going to. All you got was advisory. I don't think that's enough to make a difference. And honestly, even if you had hire and fire ability for the superintendent and head of COPA and the police board, I don't think it would really make that much of a difference, ladies and gentlemen. I, I really don't. I am unsure how that makes a difference. So that's one aspect that I, and I've been very public about having problems between GAPA and CPAC. I, I preferred GAPA, but I had questions on both of them. I question also the elections and what that, why that is transformative rather than an appointment. The way it works is the city elects the mayor and elects the aldermen. Progressives, left, people on the left, can't win those elections, right? They have control over who the superintendent is because if you elect the mayor, that's good. They will hopefully elect or pick a good person to run the police department or COPRA or um, the inspector general's office or the police board to be the police board members, right? We can't. Or win those elections, excuse me. Why are we going to win? What, let me back up a second. With this ordinance, they've created these district advisory councils, which are three people in each district. Those are elected by people within the, that police district. Then, the, the, it's a convoluted process, which I'm not going to go over now. You can... Um, we have two interviews with the heads, or representatives from COPA, I mean uh, CPAC and GAPA that are in the archive. You can go look at them to find out more exactly. And we'll, we'll get to, in, in the coming week, in the next couple of weeks, we will get to exactly what's in this ordinance. But, now the process worked. But quickly, that district advisory council sends one rep. 
that can be selected or elected to the main council that runs everything, the community commission. So why, if we can't win the aldermanic elections, or the left can't win the aldermanic elections, the left, you know, someone who really represents the community, why are you going to win the district advisory council seats? I don't understand. Why, if the alderman is not responsive and highly corrupt and doesn't believe in holding the police accountable, why are you going to be able to elect people to the district advisory council that are representative and holding the police accountable? Those are questions no one's really been able to answer. Is there a potential for some impact? Yes. Is it guaranteed that there's going to be an unbelievable one? No. Far from it. Is, the, is this really the most transformative police accountability ordinance in the country? I hope not. I really do. I, I really hope it doesn't. No, I should say it isn't. If this is it, then police accountability in this country really, really, really sucks. People don't want to believe this, especially people who don't really understand it. Chicago has one of the most convoluted and yet sophisticated police accountability systems in the country. Certainly now. Have you noticed the difference? If it was working, we wouldn't have needed IPRA. If it was working, we wouldn't have needed the COPA and the Deputy Inspector General for Public Safety. Now those, I mean, the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General, from my perspective, is doing exactly what I intended when Community Renewal Society came to me and, so, and asked me for suggestions on the next level of what I thought would be um, really helpful police accountability, which was have an Inspector General for the department. Now. I think that office has basically lived up to its potential, lived, fulfilled it very well. I don't like the first person Joe hired. I don't like the second person Joe hired for that Deputy Public Safety Inspector General, Joey Lapari, who, by the way, was a founding board member of our organization. They didn't get along. Whatever happened, Joe got him out. Now, that was a problem with Joe because he had two inspector generals in that position in like three years. That shows you there's something wrong with either Joe or the agency. But Deborah Witzberg. They're doing good work. That's all I can say. They're doing good work. Now, so we went from OPS to IPRA, IPRA to COPA. If all those were working, we wouldn't need this community commission. Now we have this community commission. The people who brought IPRA in, the Chicago Coalition for Police Accountability, was responsible for bringing in IPRA. I joined that organization after they brought in IPRA. They thought, oh, here's transformative. Didn't work. The people who brought in COPA and the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General thought transformative didn't work. Although, I, once again, Inspector General, I think, is doing what we want them to do. Um, didn't work, so now we're bringing this in. Why? Why is it going to be any different? I've been in this long enough, and I know the history. I've lived through the history. I don't see this. I don't see this. And part of the reason is I think real accountability is going to be found outside the police department and the police accountability system. Just like I think the real solution to crime and violence is not going to be found in the criminal justice system. Both of these problems get solved if you figure out the economics and get rid of poverty. Both of them get solved. Or, I shouldn't say solved, but significantly impacted for the positive by flooding the south and west side with resources that would bring around development, economic development, jobs, businesses opening, owned and operated by community members. 
you that's actually really transformative and that would solve both the policing issue and the police accountability issue at the same time i don't think there's police accountability in this country that's transformative or really that good and i don't th i think it's if you keep looking there you're going to keep failing massively um i hope i hope i'm wrong i want to be wrong I just don't see any evidence to just over the last 25 years, I keep up with what goes on around the country. I read all the literature. I read all the research. Um, I read the stuff from the National Association of Civilian Oversight for Law Enforcement. I think they're really, I don't see any evidence that suggests that they have a major impact. I think they greatly um, um, outweigh what, what is their actual impact. And it isn't because people aren't working hard, it's because the system is set up to fail. Right now, COPA, for, and this is partially 3%, 1%, 1/8 of a percent, because I was involved in the designing of COPA, is massively underfunded, just like IPRA was. Massively, massively underfunded. Okay, here's a quote from a Sun-Times article um, that I, to give you a little bit of the powers. Under the ordinance, a citizen panel will have the power to pass a vote of no confidence in the police superintendent, but the move won't be binding. Activists drop the push to allow voters to decide whether to create a commission with the power to fire the superintendent when it fa failed to gain aldermanic support. Of course it did. Of course it did. Besides a, a select number of the Progressive Caucus, almost the entire city council is either centrist conservative or conservative. They call themselves Democrats. They're not. We're going to be going over um, Alderman Napolitano's comments uh, possibly today, but certainly from yesterday's public safety committee meeting. We're going to be, they let in some special, crooked, illegal arrangement. They let John Cotanzara from the Fraternal Order of Police talk, even though they closed comments because he wasn't on. And he called an alderman and said, hey, oh, my God, I'm having technical difficulties. Hey. Do the other 2.7 million Chicagoans get to call an alderman and say, I'm having technical difficulties. Please reopen something you've already closed and can't reopen by law. But this is how these corrupt, um, centrist, conservative, and conservative aldermen work in this city. They call themselves Democrats. They're not. They're, most of them are just a joke. But we're going to go over FOP's... Um, um, we're going to be going over the FOP... President Catanzaro's comments yesterday um, and a couple of the aldermen, maybe on the show Friday, but definitely on Monday. Um, it's just, it's a weak, incredibly weak city council that for the most part doesn't want real reform. So listen, is Laquan McDonald around the corner? You damn better believe it is. Is uh, um, more brutality and abuse around the corner? Yes. Do you, do I think that a police officer anywhere in Chicago cares about this community commission at all? No. I don't think they care whatsoever. And I think this has always been an argument, a straw man's argument for sure. That's the same thing with needing, I'm all for representation, but having a black or Latino superintendent doesn't make any difference to what happens on the street. Just like for the most part, having black and Latino cops in black and Latinos areas does not make them less abusive. It'd be nice if it did, but I just haven't seen the evidence to it. On our next segment, 
Alderman Napolitano. He was a fireman. He was a police officer, and now he's an alderman. The article's from the Sun-Times. Fed up with Kim Fox's office. Alderman wants city to take some matters into its own hands. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there are two separate university studies. One from the University of Chicago's Crime Lab, another from the University of Chicago's Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology. Neither one a bastion of far left policies or practices or research methods. Both of them, both of them, ladies and gentlemen, both of them have um, pulled studies that have said, done studies and said, yeah, bail reform, it ain't making an impact on violence. Two, you independently done university studies have said that. Okay? Think of that context. And just for the record, the Chicago Justice Project, me, is suing Kim Fox for FOIA violations. We have a multi-count, 20-count, 15, 20-count um, lawsuit that has been green-lighted green through the courts here. They tried to dismiss and lost it. I am, while I agree with a lot of stuff Fox has done, I am by no, 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 by no means a blind Fox um, supporter. I don't know if anyone, I'm sure no one in the city council sooner, we are. So that gives you a little context about where my opinion is going to come from. I trust the science. I don't trust politicians. Don't trust politicians. Trust your science. Something we should have been telling, teaching people before 2016 election. Certainly before the pandemic hit us. All right, so let's go. This alderman, alder person, wants to pass, or he's in, he, I think he filed today, the Chicago Criminal Accountability Ordinance. It's just not dishonest. I mean, it's just not clueless. This is completely dishonest. So let's look at what the article said. I have not seen the actual ordinance yet. Former Chicago police officer turned alderman, alder person, also fireman, by the way, alderman Anthony Napolitano, North Whiteside, can't get any whiter, has long accused state's attorney Kim Fox of being soft on crime and functioning more like a defense attorney than a prosecutor of violent crime. Really, alderman? Well, how about, you horrible, disgusting journalist, Stick a mic in his face and see what he doesn't like about the science. They don't do that. Next. The crimes range from looting and mob actions, vandalism, possession of etching materials, paint and other markers used for graffiti, to unlawful possession of a firearm and firearms ammunition and offenses committed in public transportation safety zones or near schools, parks, and playgrounds. Well, what are? Those are the offenses that the aldermen because he doesn't, he's a cop and he's too ignorant to understand how the world works. And he was a cop for many years. Those are the crimes they're going to charge through a city ordinance with fines up to $30,000. Because white Alderman Napolitano from the north side, as north as you get, I think, pretty much, northwest side, he thinks fining people 
taking money from the people in the most gut-wrenching poverty in Chicago is the way to prevent crime. Because Kim Fox ain't prosecuting it. Now, here's the stupidity of his argument, ladies and gentlemen. And let me give you a little insight. He doesn't under He probably knows, well, two things. If he, if he knows what I'm about to tell you, then he's an outright liar with the ordinance. If he doesn't know, then he's a ridiculously horrific cop and should just resign his office. Those are the two options, Alderman. Take your pick. So what am I talking about? There's been propaganda spread by Mayor Daly, old man, Richie, the re most recent incarnation of that corrupt-ass family. They, they passed an ordinance that they have the strictest gun possession law, right? By city ordinance, which is what Napolitano was talking about creating, right? City ordinance. Strictest one in the country. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it would call for a fine, I think like 500 bucks or 200 bucks or something, and then they would take your gun. Right, we're being tough on guns. Um, it didn't include any prison time or jail time, nothing, right? So that's the city ordinance. The state law for UUW, unlawful use of a weapon, has some jail time, has some prison time possibly. So when these idiot cops, Napolitano being one of them, right? When I'm talking about, you know, and everyone talking about strictest gun laws. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, when you get caught with a gun in Chicago, they would often, the cops write up the charge of unlawful use of a weapon, UUW, and they write up the ordinance violation. So you get both. The state's attorney doesn't care about the, the um, city ordinance. They care about putting up a state charge on you. So they never bring that to court. They never do. It's propaganda. What would you rather get charged with? Something where they take your gun and find you 500 bucks or something where they put you in jail for a year or two? Come on, people. Give it to me. Which one would you rather have? Of course you're going to say the fine in, the, in the, them taking your guns. You're not getting the guns back anyways. Of course you would say that. The, the actual city ordinance was completely meaningless to how the city responded to gun violence. It always has been. It's a propaganda tool by the mayor to say, we have, I'm doing everything I can, see we have this ordinance. That is never, almost never, ever used. It's a lie. They're lying to you. Napolitano wants to add to that. Well, we're going to find him big time. You're going to find a gang mentor with no money and no resources. You're going to find them 15K. What good is that going to do, Alderman? All you're doing is wasting money in a bureaucratic process that you're never going to get the money. This is a lie. This is all propaganda. He's trying to make Fox look bad. Why? Because the science shows that her, her policies aren't making any difference. Whether you look at the superintendent, who, by the way, has a $1.7 billion budget for his police department, ladies and gentlemen, $1.7 billion. Or the mayor, who's got billions at her disposal and all these employees. None of them can find any data in the CPD data to prove that bail reforms have an impact on gun violence. They can't. They can find cases, one, two, three, here, and this guy did this, and this guy did this. Buddy, you got to prove that those one-off cases you were saying are actually having a meaningful impact on violence on the street, and there's no evidence to prove it. Two independent studies, 
two independent studies. The crime lab, by the way, I have issues with it big time. Jens Ludwig, he's one of the officials there. He's horrible, disgusting. He should never see, he should have been fired from the University of Chicago. They wrote the damn um, gun or the gun, a gun, he wrote a gun, um, a report on guns, which was crapola, but he wrote it for Rahm saying there should be mandatory minimums for gun crimes in Chicago. He didn't quite retract it, he just buried it after a bunch of academics said that it's voodoo academics. Right, he buried it. So they're not like left-wing liberal lunatics over there. That's the shop that wrote that piece of crap for Rahm. They're not left-wing lunatics. And plus you have Loyola. Don Steeman and Dave Olson, who wrote that, are incredibly published all over the journals for criminology and criminal justice. They have impeccable reputations. No one's ever them accused them of manipulating anything. Never. What is going on here? This is an extension of Trumpyism. And we've been heading in this way, in this direction, this anti-intellectual, I white male, I know what's right. Common sense. Science means nothing. It's like a Neanderthal. We're, in, we're going back to the Neanderthal age. This is what we've got. And this guy's an alderman. A bunch of white retired cops have voted for this guy, I think, twice now. It's unbelievable. This guy's clueless or he's lying. And if he's clueless, he should be fired. And if he's lying, he should be fired. Let's continue. If our state's attorney is not going to stand up and be the defender of the peoples because she's a defense attorney, we're going to take matters into our own hands. This is Napolitano. It's not going to be go in front of her where she just tosses everything, puts people on ankle monitors, and puts everybody back on the street. Good job, Alderman. Congratulations. You have not a shred of evidence to prove anything you're saying, but being like a Trumper and being someone that doesn't care about evidence because he just knows. Come on, he just knows. I white man, I cop, I know best. Damn the science, I know best. Numbers don't matter. So Fox sent a statement and here's from the article. Accompanying Fox statement was a fact sheet asserting that Fox has secured over 2,700 more convictions related to violent felony offenses than her predecessor, Anita Alvarez, did in the last three years of her tenure. Hmm. Now, I would like to see the data because I don't believe anyone, but that's an interesting number. These violent most serious offenses include cases of gun violence, homicide, sex crimes, aggravated battery, violence against police officers, robbery, domestic battery, and kidnapping, the fact sheet states. So, let me make sure what power. Sometimes they sent you a fact sheet that says that. Validate it. Validate it. Now, on the idea of validation, ladies and gentlemen, Kim Fox did a webinar a few weeks back, and we've talked about it on the show, saying, hey, gun possession arrests skyrocketed in Chicago since 13. They were the 300, now they're up to 1,400. At the same time, clearances for cases where people use guns to shoot at things or people, or both, have plummeted during that time. So, do we want them arresting more people who just possess guns? Or do we want them arresting people who actually use them? 
what should be the priority? No one wants to have that discussion. The mayor, the superintendent, Napolitano, Ray, uh, Alderman Ray Lopez in 15th Ward, um, Paul Ballas, the mouth that never stops talking or writing on Facebook and social media. They don't want to talk about that. They just know. They just know. It's like dealing with Neanderthals. They just know. Damn the science. Either Fox's numbers are right or they're wrong. Challenge them. Go to the table with data. Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. $1.7 billion budget at the police department. Guess what? They've crunched those numbers. They don't have them. And remember that in 2019, around the 4th of July, after a bad 4th of July weekend, the mayor and the superintendent came out about bail reform. And Susan Lee, deputy mayor for public safety with um, under Lightfoot in her office, started getting flack from people about it and asked the, asked, um, the police department if they wanted to see the data from all these people, and they said no. And then asked the police department to provide us data, and they couldn't. That contradicted the data from the uh, Fox and others. They couldn't. So we have a comment from Donate Your Entire Bag. Seems like their focus is on making as many arrests as possible instead of making the city safer. You are 100% correct. Here's the thing that people have to understand, and it's vital to this argument. The police have less impact on preventing violence than people want to think. When crime goes up, they deserve less of the blame than people think. But on the flip side, when crime goes down, they also deserve a lot less of the cheer than people think. And the police are never going to tell you that. They're like, hey, we kind of sort of have an impact on a little bit here or there. They're not going to tell you that. They have to make you think that they own this segment of society in that box so they can keep the funding coming in. That's what it's about. They have less and less they can do with it. The, the reasons of violence are incredibly complex. In Chicago, let's start with racism, segregation, and unbelievable intergenerational poverty. But no one wants to talk about those things, right? So um, this, the police department and the mayor are dead set on make as many arrests you can for gun possession. And we're going to turn gun possession into a violent crime. Everyone in Chicago, all these white, alt-right aldermen, it's a violent crime, it's a violent crime, it's a violent crime. It's not a violent crime anywhere in the country. It isn't. It has never been categorized as a violent crime by the FBI. The FBI has a uniform crime report. They categorize what is violent and what isn't. It has never been violent anywhere. But according to the mayor, and because she's politically responsible, and she's a total flip-flopper, useless reformer, fake reformer. And the superintendent, who's also a joke, we have a report coming out in a few weeks of him, pay attention, he's going to have some things to answer for. Maybe the media missed some things on him, because they did, because that's what they do is miss things. They, they can't, they have no answer for what's going on. So their answer is make as many gun arrests as possible, put up on Twitter and Facebook that were all pictures of all the guns and all the good jobs we're doing. Your job's find the shooters. Find the shooters. Find the shooters. And this is where I would say, I would argue against a bunch of the left and donate your entire bag may get mad at me. People are like, and they brought it up in the city council meeting yesterday, the public safety committee meeting yesterday. And Toledo was just outright murdered. No, no, no. All the evidence proves that the guy with Adam Toledo fired eight shots at a moving car with people in it. 
Shot spotter registered. People called 911. Cops respond. There are two people, one with a gun. Shots were fired at a car. Are they just supposed to let them go? I don't understand. Now, I will caveat that by if Adam was white, would the cop who shot him made it? This is an implicit bias issue. Would he have waited another heartbeat before he shot? We'll never know. It's certainly possible. But just making it an outright shoot, uh, murder, like equating it to Laquan McDonald, it isn't. Okay. Um, yeah, so this whole thing was this whole uh, ordinance by Napolitano is a joke. They're not arguing facts. They're arguing feelings and common sense. And everyone knows. When you hear everyone knows and we just know, run the hell away. Run the hell away. We have two studies to prove it, isn't it? I don't know what else more you want to say. How many more independent studies do we need to prove that it isn't it? But every whore, every political whore, every white guy who knows all the truth is jumping on board and saying it's all wrong for Fox. Sorry, baby. If the CPD, ha if it was wrong, CPD would have the data and they'd be out with the reports. They have PhDs in their research department. The reason we haven't heard the data is because they don't, it's not there. They're lying to you people. They are lying to you. And that's exactly what Susan Lee said, basically in her memo, in her email, in her memo that went around to the office saying, we got to stop them from saying this. It isn't true. The police department can't challenge it. Here we are. Two years, ladies, two years later, ladies and gentlemen, and there's still Brown can't stop. It's like he's got Tourette's. His only thing he can do is say the judge, the judge. Now, I will say, if you've noticed over the last couple of weeks, there's been a switch. They've went from when Fox came out with that data, they went from attacking Fox to attacking the courts because Fox shut them up with their data. And remember, I'm suing Fox. I'm not a huge fan. I like a lot of the stuff she's done, but we're suing her for FOIA violations. Probably one of the only people in the city that's actually suing Kim Fox. And I'm telling you, no one's been able to challenge her data. There's a reason when that happens. There's a reason. Okay, I'm going to stop ranting. We are going to take a one-minute break to give you some information about our nation program. Once again, cjpnation.org. Get involved. Public policy advocacy crowdsource research projects we got it all and we are coming out with a refreshed version of our police settlement transparency ordinance soon get involved go to cjpnation.org and sign up help us push that ordinance and also if you're interested donate your entire bag if you're interested and others we have a day of action coming up um, I'm trying to think of the date, 7, 8, 9, 10. I think it's Wednesday. I think it's, no, I think it's Thursday the 12th if I got that date right. I'm trying to figure out the date. Um, I'm sure if my activism group is listening, they're getting up in arms and I'm not remembering the date right now. But I think it's the 12th of August. Um, we got a day of action. Get involved. It's on Twitter, which donate your entire bag. You are on Twitter now commenting. Um, so um, cjpnation.org, get involved. We're going to be uh, spreading more information in the shows coming up about our day of action. We want to hold the, put the feet of these officials running these organ, these justice agencies in Chicago and around the country, but we're going to start in Chicago. We want to hold their feet to the fire for failing to be as transparent as they need to be. All right, so please help us get involved. Oh, I think that the day of action may be the 10th and donate 
here's the sign-up sheet. Look, there, are, it's all coming. It's all in the comments, ladies and gentlemen, all there for you. Okay, we'll be right back in one minute. Join a group of engaged and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today. CJP Nation. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get on to our next segment. Thank you so much for getting involved. Anyways, questions, comments, remember, drop them in the chat at any of the social media, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter. I will um, include the comments and questions where I can in the show. I am looking for suggestions on who you want. We have an interview with Sharon Fearley that I can today that will be on the show Monday. We have... Um, an interview coming up with David Griesling, who is the uh, executive director of the Better Government Association. We have an interview with, and I'm, I don't want to mispronounce her name, so I don't remember it exactly, but we have the executive director of the John Howard Association. We're going to talk to her about the blind spots in the Illinois Department of Correction facilities and who should take the bear, the brunt of that. But please suggest people you want on the show, suggest topics. Um, I'm happy to... Uh, include all of that in our coming up lineup. So on to our next segment. If things in the CPD did not or were not bad enough, ladies and gentlemen, the CPD revives controversial merit promotions system. And this is a WGN, I guess I'm going to say story because it was so short, but it does bring a good topic up. I'm not sure why a post of like 250 words. Um, I don't know why that post would be worth it, but I think it's an important topic to cover, so we're going to talk about it. So first of all, you got to understand the the um, the absolute BS of the media a lot, touting, patting themselves on the back. WGN obtained the list of clout promotions. These were promotions. Let me back up and explain to you what merit promotion is before I rip on the media. So... Um, for traditional promotion within the department, the Chicago Police Department, you have to take exams and you move up. Years ago, it was determined that the exams had some kind of disproportionate impact on um, officers of color in the department and women. So they decided the CPD created something to off offset that, which is called merit promotion. So it's supposedly for individuals, hypothetically, in a department that actually wasn't broken, it might be, but it's actually, um, it's for people that work really hard and have been high achieving on the job but can't test well, and thus they get promoted. For years and years and years and years, this list was, um, how do I say, um, totally secret and totally corrupt. What it turned into later in the, in the last several years is um, in the 2000s, has been a public list that's also highly, incredibly, utterly corrupt. 
Now, does that mean everyone on the list is is a corrupt is a corrupt clout promotion? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do we have any idea from the outside how to distinguish? Absolutely not. We do not. Are there some clout corrupt promotions? You better believe it is. You know why? Eddie Johnson's mistress that he was having an affair with, that he was out, by the way, the night of he got fired, he's out drinking with before he got in his own car and drove home hammered. She was a merit promotion to be his driver. I think she went up two or three levels, actually. This is how it works. That wasn't too, that was only a couple years ago. So that practice, the rank and file wanted that practice ended. So they ended it. You know who ended it? Back. Interim superintendent Beck, and I don't remember his first name. He's from the Los Angeles. He is the one that ended it. He knew it was a clout-based corrupt system, or it was definitely had massive possibilities of being highly and utterly corrupt. So he ended it. Well, here comes David Brown, Mr. Integrity and Transparency, bringing back the merit list. Let's see what the article says. Here's a quote. Diversity is, is more important now in law enforcement than it's ever been, CPD Superintendent David Brown said Monday. If we're going to build communities' trust, it's going to be through diversity. That includes black, brown, and women being not only at the rank and file level, but at every level of policing to be reflective of the community. Okay, is that true? No, not no, but not entirely. Here's the issue. The CPD is such a broken, corrupt, incapable organization, they can't grow leaders. They can't grow leaders. They can't. Let me rephrase it. They can't. The last superintendent before Eddie Johnson that was in-house, that came up through the ranks, and was, it, was Phil Klein. And that ended horribly. And actually, he should have probably been fired in the 80s for massive corruption. But that was it. Phil Klein, 2000. That was under Daly. Um, four years from 11, 7, 6, 7, I think, is around when, something like that. That, that was the last time there was a superintendent who was from Chicago before Eddie Johnson. They cannot grow leaders. If what you're worried about is having people be able to test effectively, then you need to grow that, you need to put that into the department. The training, the uh, follow-up training, the refresher training every year, the CPD has never had refresher training, by the way. Once you leave the academy, unless you opt into special training, the only training you got th was through a video at roll call or a video you had to watch at home on your computer. That's how broken the institution was. That's why they couldn't raise leaders. They couldn't grow leaders. So the way to get rid of this clout list is have a department that's growing leaders. They don't do that. In fact, if you're one of the good leaders in there, you usually get overpassed by some corrupt pr clout promotion. Or you get made deputy superintendent and you got medals that aren't real medals on your shirt. Um, that's also a possibility. Let's take a look at the, continue on the, um, a report by the United States Department of Justice prompted by the fatal shooting of Laquan McDonald in 2014 
found that CPD officers often complained about the opaque nature of the process. Officers often told federal investigators that the merit promotions were viewed as a reward for cronyism rather than a recognition of excellence. Of course, of course. Now you gotta understand, ladies and gentlemen, when you're saying like cloud promotion to promote excellence, the people who are already there, already at the top of like district commanders, commanders, that the captain level or higher, district commanders, commanders, deputy soups and stuff. The reason they're there, ladies and gentlemen, is through clout. That's how they got, that's how most of them got there, is through clout. So are they gonna turn their backs and end the clout and say, no, now we're only gonna promote through excellence. They wouldn't be there. They're not gonna do that. We go on. Charlie Beck, who served as interim CPD superintendent after, Maury, after Mayor Lori Lightfoot fired Eddie Johnson, effectively abolished the merit system in late 2019. After Brown was named permanent superintendent a few months later, hold your horses, hold on to your seats. After Brown was named permanent superintendent a few months later, he told the Chicago Sun-Times that the merit promotion system would not come back under his leadership. Wow. Two years later, it's back. Of course it is. Of course it is. Brown, at the time, added that he was looking for another way to create diversity in a way that is much more appreciated here than the merit system was. That might be why him and Mayor uh, Lightfoot, also known as Mayor Flip Flop, likes him and appointed him because he, he can flip flop with the best of them. Every time Brown opens his mouth over the next six months, they should be, he should be asked about the, the merit system, why it's back. And reporters, if I were you, you all should have FOIAs in for all the emails and text messages and phone messages and calendar appointments about the merit system. Maybe one way to make this better is that for every um, commander that seeks to merit, nominate someone for a merit promotion, they should have to fill out a bunch of paperwork that has to be posted publicly about why people are being merit promoted. Maybe that's, maybe that's a way to do it. This is Brown bringing back the old guard. What's new? It's what, what change is there, ladies and gentlemen, from these guys? What change? Him and Lightfoot, there's no change. No change. He's like bringing back uh, 2009 policing in Chicago. This agency needs to grow leaders. They're not going to under Brown because he's just allowing a whole new crop of clout people, mostly clout people, getting, you know, going up in rank. Okay, we're going to move on to our last segment of the night here. Chicago police create no gun team to target illegal weapons ahead of Biden strike force. This sounds, wow, CPD. Sounds pretty good. Let's see if the facts fit the headline. Superintendent David Brown is creating a new Chicago Police Department team of about 50 officers to target gun traffickers and people who shouldn't have weapons because their state firearm permits have been revoked, police officials said. Did you get it in the first paragraph? 
they do it. Namish, I will get to your point once once I'm done with this article. I will get to your question. Thank you for it. Um, it's just now in 2021, ladies and gentlemen, that David Brown is creating a team, somewhat some number because it ain't 50 because they're going to do a bunch of different things on guns that is going to take guns away from people in Chicago who have had their firearm identification cards revoked. Wow, that sounds like an unbelievable advancement. I mean, you brought us right back to like 1991 with that. I mean, it's just that your organization's 30 years late because it's friggin' broken. Why hasn't this been a thing? I don't understand. Let's go on. Three groups of 10 officers will investigate gun trafficking and a fourth group of 10 will go after people with revoked firearm owner identification cards. That's right. So he's adding 30 officers supposedly going after gun traffickers and 10 that will go after people with their revoked cards because it's taking till 2021 for the CPD. Um, for the CPD to get with the times and like domestic abusers, for instance, who beat their wives and then get their FOID cards, which is what's called firearm owner identification cards, revoked. It's taking them to 2021 mid-year to figure out they need a group of officers to go take those guns. A fifth group of officers, because this is the 40, right? So we're at 40. Three teams are going to go after traffickers, 10 going after void card violators. And what are the 10 going to do? A fifth group of 10 officers will help process recovered guns for testing to see whether they've been used in other crimes and, and determine who last owned them. Process officer guns used in shootings and handle alerts from the state police that someone's void card has been expired. So of the 50 officers, only 10 are going after expired licenses. Although some group of the 10 may help with that a little bit. You know, the headline made it seem that it was revolutionary. This seems crapoli. Seems kind of crapoli, right? I mean, what's new about this? I don't get it. Let's continue. The gun team will also follow up on alerts from state police about people whose FOID cards are no longer valid because they were convicted of a felony or were institutionalized for mental illness. Officers will try to seize their guns and get back their no longer valid FOID cards, an issue that drew attention after a mass shooting in 2019 in Aurora, Illinois. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It has taken this broke-ass police agency with like 12 or 13,000 officers and a $1.7 billion budget, two years, two years, to respond to what happened in Aurora, to form a team of just 10 officers, 10, to work on repossessing, if that's the word for it, seizing guns from people who have been convicted of a felony or institutionalized for mental illness. They're, they're so broken. Ten officers. So broken. Two years it took to do this. Ten years. And they're probably only doing it because Biden's coming in and they're so under heat for all the gun violence in Chicago. Two years. Someone stick a microphone in Mayor Lightfoot's face and ask her why. Does she care that little about people with mental illness 
having guns, who were institutionalized for mental illness having guns? Does she care that little about people who were convicted in felonies and having guns? That's just taking two years to have a team go seize their guns? She wants to lock everyone up for gun possession for the rest of their lives, right? But it took them two years into her administration, two years plus, a couple months, to get a team of a lot. I mean, it's massive, all of 10 officers. That's like one tag team in one district, basically, the equivalent. 10 officers. There are 300 officers in one of the summer saturation teams or community policing saturation teams, 300. 10 officers seizing guns from people with felonies and, and mental illness. Now, this report from the Sun-Times, how about, like, get a quote from Brown and Lightfoot. Why did it take so long to do this? They're complaining about the state's attorney with all these prosecutions. Your police department has let people with mental, who have been institutionalized for mental illness, who have severe mental illness most likely, keep their guns. Your organization, your department, Mayor Lightfoot, has allowed people convicted of a felony to keep their guns. And it's taken you two years into your term to assign a big 10 officers at seizing those guns. It's like, how does this exist? The whole thing's mind-blowing. Okay, I want to get to Nimi's question. Hi, I enjoy the show. I want, in some past videos, you have mentioned that police alone do not decrease crime and social science indicates that there are other methods. So what are those other methods? Please refer to the evidence from actual studies research. Exact. Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, I will bring some of that in because I don't want to cite them without like, knowing exactly one. But the reality is economic development. Economic development, kids being busy, right? Having things to do. But the reality is it's economic development. It is um, education and economic development and having opportunity. There are distinct um, social economic differences between the north side of the city and the south and west sides. There are. There are. And... Most of Chicago, most of the aldermen, most of the, a lot of the North Siders say it's because think it's because we're white and they're black or brown that they're bad. Instead of thinking of all the economic differences, right? There's severe issues with PTSD from violence in these communities. There's significant issues with po massive, unprecedented poverty, intergenerational poverty. Um, so all of that kind of feeds into what's going on here. We also have hyper-concentrated the poorest people in the city, right? As we have gentrified the West Loop, Fulton Market, South Loop, um, and we continue, you can talk about, um, I'm gonna say Rogers Park, but Hyde Park, and you can start talking of other areas of the city on the Southwest sides that are starting to gentrify. You just start pushing the poor and hyper-concentrating them. And then you suck out all the resources. Rom closed 50 schools. Rom Daily closed the mental health clinics. Rom closed more. Mayor Lightfoot didn't reopen them. How is that any better? All of that plays into why things are the way they are. Um, I wish policing did it. I wish it did because it's a very easy solution. It's a very easy solution to um, bring about. It's very easy. I wish it did. Um, and there's just, I know this, I'll tell you right, one thing for sure. You're going to have the Police Executive Research Forum and International Associate of Chiefs of Police. 
they will tell you it is not how many cops you have on the street. It's what you do with them. The mere idea that it's numbers that the union and aldermen are pushing is totally, there's nothing to support that. Um, there's just nothing. So I will do, a, maybe I'll do a whole show on those methods and bring in some experts to talk about it. Uh, so thank you, Namesh. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but I, I appreciate you watching and commenting. Thanks for everyone who commented today. Uh, we will be back on Friday at 5.30 Central. We'll probably have a little John Cotton Zara. We'll talk about his three-minute rant on the Public Safety Committee. We may have a Friday update from him, too. That should be pretty good. They do the Friday updates on YouTube. We usually talk about them on Monday, but maybe I'll try to fit it on the show on Friday. Thank you all so much. Get involved. Go to cjpnation.org. Sign up. Get involved. we got the Day of Action coming. The link for that to sign up is in the chat at whatever um, platform you're watching this. Um, and follow us on Twitter. We're getting more and more in Twitter, um, TikTok, and Instagram. I tweeted if you want to go back. Um, I tweeted not today's meeting, but the meeting yesterday for the public safety meeting. I live tweeted it. So you can go back and look at some of that. I think some of those tweets are good myself. Um, and um, I, will, I will be showing what reduces. Um, I'll bring it, maybe I'll bring in some experts to talk about it. That's really my goal. Um, let's get the experts. Why I go with what I can find when I can go right to the source of the people doing the research. Okay, thank you all so much. I will see you Friday at 530. Have a great day.